This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Guest today is John Sobel, the co-founder and CEO of Site Machine. Uh, John, thank you so much for speaking with Knowledge at Wharton today. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Uh, to begin with, I, I, I wonder if we could start by talking about uh, how manufacturing is being transformed by digital technology, and especially with the coming of age of big data. What What's going on there? Manufacturers are uh, looking very systematically at everything they do from the methods they use to make things, so technologies like 3D printing and additive printing, uh, all the way to their business models. These large giant factories that have produced things are being broken up and distributed around the world to become much more flexible. And they're realizing that as manufacturing becomes more networked and takes on the characteristics of a system, just like in the virtual world, the key to making the system effective and being strategic about it is the data that is generated in the system. And so in the same way that a bunch of technology companies spent 15 or 20 years hooking everything up and realizing now we have to use big data to make sense of it, they're starting to look at all the data that's generated in production Mm -hmm. as an opportunity first to improve the efficiency of manufacturing operations, so time-honored problems, How do we improve quality? How do we keep our factories running? Next to improving business processes and all the way to business model transformation. And so they are uh, um, investing heavily in the capability to use data that's already there. There's a huge amount of data in manufacturing that just sits on the floor. Mm -hmm. And they are starting to think very uh, purposefully about using it. How big is the market and and what are some of the dynamics going on between manufacturing companies trying to become more digital and software companies entering the manufacturing space? It's a fascinating question. By most accounts, if we look at the Internet of Things market, uh, um, McKinsey believes manufacturing is the largest opportunity of any industrial category. Other firms echo that. The numbers that are thrown around uh, as far as the expected value creation from from using data and Internet of Things technologies are in the trillions mm-hmm. over the next 10 years. For If we get very precise and say, what is the market for big data software to help manufacturing. The most recent estimates are that it will go from approximately zero now to over a billion dollars within the next five years. So by whatever scale you use, it's a big opportunity. You asked about all the people approaching this market, and it's fascinating. Many companies are trying to build do-it-yourself solutions, which is understandable. It's an extremely challenging problem, so a lot of them try and then at some point, uh, look for help. The major industrial companies such as GE and Siemens have invested literally billions of dollars in this opportunity. And then the largest software companies, the, the cloud companies, the business process software companies, they're all uh, funding and developing initiatives to provide insight. 
one, one way to look at the market is to see all the people who are in one way or another touching uh, manufacturing. They all want to be a, a provider of analysis, of insight. And everybody from the software supplier for the front office to the logistics or supply chain provider wants to be able to help the customer understand better what's going on. And it is a, um, a fascinating collision of industry and business cultures because everybody has a toehold on the opportunity, but what's needed is a very strong technological capability and an ability to help these, these manufacturing companies evolve. Now, since you've mentioned the collision, is there anyone who is winning this battle, or is it still being played out? It's very early. Uh, no, no clear winners yet. Uh, uh, in, 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 our, in our market, what we do, uh, analyzing production data, the focus has shifted to scale. Mm. There have been uh, dozens of venture-backed startups that offer a sort of magic bullet and say, I can help you understand this kind of machine or this kind of problem. The focus has really shifted from local problems to scale solutions. If you think about the modern manufacturing enterprise, companies like GE have 500 factories in their company alone, to say nothing of the thousands of factories in a supply chain. The winners here are going to offer scale solution because that's what the enterprise needs is enterprise-level insight. So, so talk, talking about your company, where, where, where do you see the opportunity uh, to, to play in this space? Our company very early on focused on the scale analysis opportunity. Mm -hmm. The ingestion and analysis of huge amounts of varied data at once from multiple sources and multiple plants. And w what we did was spend several years building a sort of AI-enabled data engine for making sense of all of this data. And if what comes in one side is a bunch of raw data, what should come out the other side is useful information about production. That's the opportunity we focused on. We, we, we didn't start uh, with a complete understanding of where the opportunity was. What happened was exactly what's supposed to happen for a startup. We went and talked to a bunch of factories about what they needed, mm -hmm. and we were guided by their pain mm -hmm. to develop solutions. Early on, we were hired by a very large global manufacturer that is investing heavily in new automation. And we realized in order to serve them, we had to provide an enterprise class solution that could take data from many different types of sources in many locations. Once we built that, we realized this is what everybody's talking about. And we were quickly pulled into operations by other enterprise manufacturers. And so our conception of what's needed here has developed as the market is starting to develop. Can you give me an example of the kind of insights that are now available <clears throat> through, the, through the analysis that, that you're able to do that were not possible previously? Previously, if you wanted to understand how the same machine is performing in two different plants, and, and if we think for a moment about manufacturing, small percentage gains in efficiency can be huge dollars at scale. So if you had 30 plants with the same process going on and you wanted to know exactly 
which ones are doing better and why. To even know that, you'd have to have people with clipboards, go measure things. It would take weeks and weeks and weeks. And understanding why one is better than another is all but impossible. Today, we can put up a screen that shows the actual performance and the reasons for variation. In some cases, operators might be doing things differently. In other cases, aspects of the process itself are different. Another example is quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, we often find that in manufacturing, there, are, there is a large percentage of scrap or rework. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're making drugs, for example, sometimes a batch is bad, it can cost a million dollars. What happened in the process that explains why that went wrong? Mm-hmm. Many times we don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazingly, manufacturers have huge amounts of data on production, and then sitting right next door, there's a big pile of data about quality, but putting it all together so that you can know immediately this batch was bad because of parameter A mm-hmm. uh, is a very challenging problem for them to solve in any sort of systematic way. Mm-hmm. So those are some very basic examples. You can get much more sophisticated quickly. Uh, bottleneck analysis, looking at a, 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 a number of lines and seeing where in each line the process is being held back. It varies from line to line. The data to answer all of these questions is there. And then if we go to an even deeper level, a supply chain. Mm-hmm. If an automaker wants to look into the production of its suppliers, it can now know you're on time, you're late, I better not depend on you alone. <laughs> your quality is good, your quality is bad. It's actually in the interest of the supplier to uh, uh, transparently share the information. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps the supply chain. So these are all areas where the data to answer these questions exists. Mm-hmm. but we've never been able to use the data to answer the questions before. Now, you, you talked a little bit earlier about how, how huge the opportunity is. Uh, what is a site machine strategy mm-hmm. to, 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 uh, to take advantage of this opportunity? So our strategy is to partner with... Um, the leading manufacturers in a variety of industries work uh, closely uh, and deeply with them and build uh, uh, in a very uh, measured and sustained way proof of success in their operations uh, and then move beyond those early flagship customers. one, there have been several counterintuitive insights along the way. Standard startup theory says, go to one vertical, nail it, take a half step sideways and go to another vertical. That was our plan. We began working in the automotive industry. Right. To our surprise, a large cohort of early customers approached us from other industries. And what we learned is manufacturing is manufacturing. Mm-hmm. So if you make shoes, cars, drugs, yuck. Everyone who makes those different things wants to know the same things. So uh, one counterintuitive uh, lesson has been that working with a variety of industries is helping us develop a very robust approach. We use the exact same piece of technology to support them all. There's no difference in our software whether you make cars or drugs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And social proof is very important in manufacturing. Mm. Uh, It is an industry that is very practical, appropriately skeptical, isn't really into your PowerPoint, 
if you get results for somebody that's respected in the industry, then others will will uh, be more than happy to work with you. So our strategy has been to engage with the leaders in the industry and uh, and make them successful. There's an aspect of this which has been fascinating that has to do with the the change dynamics mm-hmm. in an industry. Think for a moment about what it means truly to have transparency. Mm-hmm. In, in a large organization. Some cultures uh, are set up well for that. Some, 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 it's not so safe. Right. And so data brings, uh, useful data, brings a level of transparency to organizations which, which uh, represents a change. So one of the things we're trying to do is develop very close relationships with progressive manufacturers and uh, um, make them successful and then, and then uh, m- move out and beyond them. Uh, we're working in uh, almost 15 countries right now around the world and with um, uh, leaders in several industries who are investing heavily in these capabilities. I wonder if you can take a step back and talk a little bit about the, the, the start of your entrepreneurial journey and, and, and how that came about. Uh, and, and where you are in your journey right now. Oh, I'd be pleased to. Uh, I did not self-identify as an entrepreneur for a long time in my career. I began my career as a corporate lawyer. Looking back, I realized that I chose to work for great entrepreneurs. I went to work at some entrepreneurial companies early on in my career. I went to Yahoo in the late 90s when it was a couple hundred people. and I was chief counsel there and was exposed to a tremendous amount of early innovation on the web. So I see now that I was drawn to a lot of entrepreneurial activity. I just didn't think of myself that way. I came to Wharton as a mid-career Wharton student, uh, feeling that I wanted to learn more about business, but not expecting uh, to come out the other side uh, as an entrepreneur. Wharton uh, exposed me to uh, a lot of... uh, thinking about entrepreneurship and provided an opportunity for reflection. Mm. And when I graduated uh, 10 years ago, I realized uh, that I very much wanted to be part of building a company instead of just fixing companies. I was a good fixer, uh, but I really was hoping for the chance to be part of building one. I understood because I had worked with and been around a lot of startups that Good ideas and good teams are hard to find, especially a combination of both. Mm -hmm. So I um, chose my opportunity carefully. And when a technologist uh, that I admire very much, Nate Ostendorp, uh, who I had worked with, approached me about starting this company, uh, I was very flattered and I jumped at the opportunity. what was the uh, original inspiration for starting this company? The original inspiration is Nate's. And Nate's a really interesting uh, uh, person to start a company like this because of the combination of his experiences. And this is uh, something about our company that I think has helped us. Nate grew up in western Michigan. He started a well-known technology site in the late 90s called Slashdot. <laughs> which was at the center of a lot of the technology community's activities on the web. Nate was part of a group of students at Hope College, all from Western Michigan, uh, who, who built and ran the site uh, from their dorm. Hmm. Uh, 
Nate had worked in a tier one automotive plant uh, in college, and he thought at the time his career was going to be a controls engineer in manufacturing. Mm. He was so successful at the web that he went on to do many things. He and I met at a company where he was site architect, and we were together working on some very interesting big data problems in 2009. Mm. A few years later, Nate approached me and told me that he'd been thinking about a next application of big data and he had identified manufacturing as an industry that might be ready. Mm -hmm. This was heresy at the time. Mm -hmm. I spent about six months studying the industry myself because I had seen the pattern of industry disruption Mm -hmm. ripple through a number of industries and it seemed like it might be time but it might be too early. Mm-hmm. But, of course, you can never know as an entrepreneur, and sometimes being a little early means you're, you'll actually be right on time if you hang in. Mm-hmm. So uh, Nate had the inspiration. Uh, he, there was a group of uh, others in our founding team with very eclectic backgrounds. One um, was a robotics uh, and machine vision integrator for factories who's a world-class hacker. Another is a data scientist who was a slash daughter. Another is... Um, Longtime digital business person who grew up in Indiana, his dad ran two factories. Mm-hmm. So we all came together, and I think the fact that from the beginning we had people who respected and were curious about manufacturing, mm-hmm. but also deeply value technology, mm-hmm. allowed us to put those two in the same house mm-hmm. and try to understand our customer. Now, another, so it sounds like the, the leadership team almost came together as, as a matter of shared interest. Yes. Uh, uh, another very important challenge for any startup is raising capital. Yes. How, 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 did, how did that happen? And Raising capital at the beginning was very difficult. Uh, at that time, we're talking 2012, 2013, most... Uh, large venture funds were focused on things like social media and mobile. Mm -hmm. I had come from the world of consumer internet, so I felt like, well, everyone will see this as the next industry. It's obvious. And it was an incredibly lonely time because manufacturing is one of those industries that that is on the short list of industries that people in Silicon Valley say don't touch. Mm -hmm. That's changing now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our early investors were very foresightful uh, and brave. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the capital market's interest in digitizing traditional industry has exploded in the last year or two. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, struggling and wondering, are we wrong? Mm. If, if no one's excited about this, mm. what are we missing? Mm. What we kept hearing from customers, mm. uh, what we kept hearing from factories, we spent about two years just going and talking to factories. Mm. The founding team wasn't getting paid. Mm. Uh, it was the true startup journey from a sheet of paper to something beyond that. Right. And what we kept hearing was, I need something exactly like this. And then when we showed them early product, Our first customer was literally a one factory company in Detroit, Michigan, who fell in love with what we were doing. Mm. And we realized 
the customer knows something right. that the capital markets haven't figured out yet. Right. So if we can hang in long enough, we're going to get there. Right. But um, there is this moment uh, as an entrepreneur where if you're doing anything new, by definition, you're going to be lonely. I had always been with these big brand names, so I hadn't experienced that. Mm. Uh, and it was very difficult, but now when I meet entrepreneurs, mm. uh, I try to encourage them to hang in. You could be lonely and wrong, <laughs> but if, if you're right, you're probably going to be lonely too. Uh, who's your competition? Everyone and no one. And here's what I mean by that. We track at least 200 companies that say they will help manufacturers analyze their data. Right. Without getting too deep into technology, we, as far as we know, we, we are the only uh, platform technology company that's systematically taken on the data challenge in manufacturing. The data challenge in big data terms is variety. Yeah. Big data means volume, velocity, variety. As far as we know, we're the only uh, company that has developed uh, a systematic, unified way to make widely varied raw production data useful. Uh, we get awards for AI and things like that, but fundamentally what we do is we make the data useful. That particular problem, that particular benefit is something that, as far as we know, no one else is doing yet. And I think that's why we're getting hired by our clients because they're very smart about the gaps in the market. Okay. They build data lakes, they collect data, they visualize data, but wonderful visualization tools don't know what to visualize unless you tell them what's going on. And that's what we do. Uh, what are the biggest risks that you face as you think about your journey going forward? What, what, what keeps you up at night? Most of the risks, thankfully, are now things that we control. That's one thing that's changed. I used to worry about market timing. Mm. Uh, there's, there's a lot of um, interest from customers now. Mm. We have to... So for manufacturing clients to do what we do, we have to offer three things and each is hard. And so here's where the risks are. The first is you have to have compelling scalable technology. There's no reason that a, uh, a Fortune 50 uh, manufacturer will hire a startup unless you're bringing something distinctive and new to the party. Right. I think we've covered that risk, but we, you've got to keep your eye on that ball. Second, these are demanding customers who are entrusting you with very important business functions. You've got to execute flawlessly. Right. You cannot drop the ball. And most startups are not... Uh, by nature, equipped to support uh, global manufacturers. <laughs> the third thing, which is uh, uh, very unusual for a startup, is you have to be able to partner effectively with an enterprise that's going through change. That sounds like a big abstract idea. Here's what it means. Uh, people worry that their jobs are going to go away. Uh, different functions have turf battles over who does what. You can get caught in the crossfire. Somebody wants to innovate in a company and maybe they don't want your innovation. You have to find a way to make as many people successful as possible and handle that journey. Right. We have a seasoned team of leaders in our company who have been through these journeys before. 
And like it or not, if you're going to lead in an industry, you got to be able to handle that piece. So the risks, uh, we don't keep innovating in technology. We don't execute flawlessly or we don't sustain and strengthen our capability to be a good partner to large companies that are going through change. Thankfully, we control those things. Every single one of them is significant. What do you think have been your um, biggest successes so far? I have to uh, uh, offer tip of the cap to our technology leadership. The only reason we, we get in the door is because they built something truly distinctive. I think the company's capability to understand and effectively work with the very different points of view around the table is a strength that has helped us. There, there are these words that are thrown around in, in business writing all the time, empathy. Mm. Uh, um, the, the notion of really trying to understand your customer or cultural skills, EQ. We are very fortunate to have uh, an eclectic group of people who, who can relate to the factory foreman mm. and uh, a hardcore open source developer mm. Uh, a data scientist, a venture capitalist, and, and a, a, a CIO mm. all at once. Mm. That, that cultural sensitivity, right. and, and what we've learned is people want to hear what time it is really, just what's going on. Uh, be straight up, uh, tell them what you really believe, and try to focus on what's going to help everybody. Sounds easy. <laughs> Sounds easy. Like most things in business, it's easier to say than to do. Yeah. I think our company's uh, strength, uh, in addition to technology, has been genuine curiosity and skill mm. in navigating some of these dynamics. Uh, since we talked about successes already, what do you think have been some of the biggest mistakes oh, that have been made, and, and what have you learned from them? So, we've made many mistakes. Uh, Early on, um, we were so humbled and honored to work for some of the companies we worked for. We weren't assertive enough mm. about bringing problems to their attention. We were always trying to make everybody happy at the beginning because we just didn't want to lose the customer. Yeah. What we learned was they want and need us uh, to assert what the challenges and problems are and help them be successful by being a little tough on them. Another learning was um, the operational aspects of what we do. Mm. So the kinds of thinkers who come to a company with a technology challenge like ours are very deep system level thinkers. There's an aspect to our work that involves the equivalent of hitting a machine with a hammer to get the data out of it, and it takes about a day or two. That's a very different mindset than build a big, beautiful piece of technology. Right. So we recently created a function right. called Factory Connect, mm -hmm. and it's a different kind of person. It's somebody who literally gets on the phone with the customer, doesn't leave them alone, hassles them, and goes after whatever the bottleneck is and getting all this stuff happening. Mm -hmm. And we had to think very intensely about what kinds of dimensions do we need to mm -hmm. scale. Mm -hmm. uh, those were two mistakes. Uh, I think a third was maybe a little too much modesty at the beginning. We, we often got lumped in with, this is a SaaS product. Mm -hmm. And it took us a while to appreciate this was actually a very ambitious piece of technology. Mm -hmm. And chalk it up to everybody being from the Midwest. 
Mm-hmm. We, uh, we didn't want to oversell to our clients. Mm-hmm. It was the clients who helped us appreciate how foundational the technology was. Mm-hmm. And so we got better at articulating what's new here. Uh, looking forward uh, over the next four or five years, where would you like to be? Oh, I think we can build a company of significance. Uh, this is, uh, this is a um, real opportunity to lead an industry. Mm-hmm. And where we would like to be is pushing uh, the frontiers of what's possible with this technology and making a, uh, a number of leading manufacturers uh, materially more successful in what they do. Um, all of us have been at other companies. We've, we've um, seen what it's like to participate in something that's growing and that's, that's real. And we, we came together uh, to build a real company. So four or five years from now, we'd like nothing better than to be uh, many times the size of what we are today <laughs> and having outsized impact in the industry. Uh, John, thank you so much for speaking with Knowledge at Wharton. Thank you, Nicole. It's a pleasure. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.